When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. You, no, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline. And deadline. Are you even listening to me right now? Hey folks, it's that time of year to be shooting your bow in preparation for the fast approaching opening day of archery season here in Pennsylvania. If you haven't been down to Williams Archery Pro Shop and Indoor Range yet, get off the couch and head down to Edinburgh, PA. They've been in business for 29 years and they specialize in bow tuning and hands-on shooting lessons. It's a family-owned bow dealership who offers Hoyt, PSE, Bear, Parker, and more. Don't forget your archery accessories and arrows when you stop in to see Ron and Linda Williams. Give the shop a call at 724-667-9660. And make sure you tell them you heard about Williams Archery on the Whitetail Distraction Podcast, and they will get you set up. Welcome to Episode 8 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin. Join me today in the studio, and always, my buddy, Charles Hedlund. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Austin? Oh, man. I'm just hanging out. I love it. Yeah. It is cold out tonight, and it makes it feel like hunting season. Oh, man, dude. Earlier, they were sprinkling a little bit, nice and chilly outside. I just wanted to be in the stand so bad. Yeah, you texted me earlier, and I told you, I said, I would love to be getting on the backside of this front right now, hanging over a fresh scrape, just waiting to see what comes in to freshen it up after that little bit of rain and this weather change, because we had a big-time temperature drop today. Today oh, yeah. would have been a phenomenal day to get in the stand midday. Oh, man. Hit us with a front like this right around the beginning of the season. Some deer are going to hit the ground for sure. Yeah, I, I always love this time of year. I mean, it's just to the point where it starts to get cool at night. You know, it's starting to get dark a little earlier, and it just gets you all pumped up, real fired up for the season. Oh, yeah. I couldn't agree anymore. Yeah, I, I actually couldn't even sleep last night. I was up all night just thinking about hunting. It was weird. <laughs> I love it, man. I, love I really it. was. I mean, I was I was laying in bed. I woke up probably like 1.30 in the morning. I don't know why. Probably because I had poison ivy from hanging my trail cameras. 
and uh, I I wake up itching. I'm thinking, oh man, I I don't I don't think I have any real good sets up yet where I know there's a really good buck bed, and I'm I'm sitting there and I'm kind of beating myself up about it because I've been spending you know a lot of time working doing my own business, uh, you know, landscaping and stuff, but also a lot of time getting out there with you and uh, our buddy McCoy and our buddy Burks and, you know, other people, which I really enjoy. Don't get me wrong. I've had a blast going out and scouting and, you know, doing stuff. I've scouted more this summer than I've probably ever scouted in all the years I've hunted combined in the summer just because I'm the guy that just says, you know, it's too hot. There's too many mosquitoes. I'm not going out. I'm not doing it. I know where I've had success in the past, and I've kind of banked on that. Well, time's always been a limiting factor for you, too. And Right. You know, you are getting out and scouting a lot this year. You're scouting a lot more for other people, which I'm sure they're very grateful for. But, you know, you got to get out there and get some of your own stands hung and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I think going back to the weather change, it's kind of the weather change had me thinking it's like a ticking time clock until season's coming yeah you know i think that's what it is it's it's making me realize that hey this season's not that far away we're almost you know just inside a month almost here yep one day closer to time man and you know what people this past monday the what would have been the 19th no the 20th, 20th. final round of doe tags were due now if you're anywhere in our general area 1a there was still Last I looked, 15000 or something like that. So you still have plenty of time to get those in. But if you're looking for a doe tag in one of those areas that has generally sold out, I would get them in now. Yeah, yeah. especially by the time this episode comes out uh, in podcast land. It's going to be crunch time. You know, you, there's going to be some, some WMU selling out. So you definitely got to get that in the mail and get them out immediately. Yep. And I also looked the other day, my birthday wish did not come true. Hmm. I did not draw an elk tag this year again. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sorry about it. I'll get it someday. I didn't either, but then again, I didn't apply for it, so I can't exactly wish for it next year. You're killing me. I promise next year I will. I don't know why I've never thought of it before. I usually, like I said, I've been kind of busy doing other deer stuff, not thinking about elk. You know, one step at a time here, baby steps. I'm not thinking about elk either, but I'm just saying, <laughs> it would have been really cool if I drew a bull tag. Yeah, even a cow tag. That'd be cool. It would be cool, but I always put in for a bull tag. I feel oh, like okay. I can always, I don't. I shouldn't say I can always, but if I really wanted to, I could go out west somewhere and get a cow tag and go kill a cow. My uncle, two of them, go out every year. They always kill cows. Yeah. I mean, every year religiously with a rifle, but, you know, I don't know. I think it'd be awesome to kill a big bull in Pennsylvania with a bow. It'd be that would be pretty amazing. I mean, it, we got some yeah. monster bulls in Pennsylvania. There really are, man. There's, I mean, there's. You have the potential of getting on. I mean, I've seen some bulls up in Benazette that were probably pushing 400 inches. Yeah. I mean, giant bulls. That's not too far from us either. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. Well, today we're gonna get into kind of another BS sesh, but really we're gonna talk about our goals and aspirations for the season. Really get into detail of what we've been doing for scouting and preparations as far as locating buck beds and whatnot. And then uh, I think we're going to tell a couple stories of our own. We haven't really told too many on here yet. And I don't know, we got some good ones to tell from last year. And I'm going to tell one from years past because I haven't killed a buck in a couple of years. Hey, that's okay. That's my own fault. <laughs> that's, you know, I mean, you work a lot. You don't get out a whole lot. And uh, I think also this is the first year really that the two of us, last year would be the first year really two of us got to hunt together. This will be the first year that we've gotten to do a lot of summer scouting together. 
Uh, and I think putting the, the brain power in and each of us pushing each other, I think that's really going to help us this year. I think the hard um, work's really going to pay off. I mean, I have more spots scouted for this year than in the past. I might have had more properties to hunt in the past, but not necessarily scouted them. Kind of just went in and spitballed and, you know, I'm going to hunt this tree tonight. It looks good. Right. Kind of hunting the hot sign and whatnot. But this year I have legitimate spots 100% scouted more than I have in the past. So well, it's nice too. About that. We're taking that the whole way through. We're, we're not looking at a spot and saying, hey, this looks cool. You know, there's a lot of deer sign here. I'm going to hunt this. We're breaking it down to here's the best sign. Here's the best trail. This is probably going to be best for this time of year, mm-hmm. and we're not coming in until this time of year, and we're not going to touch it. We're not going to you know, screw anything up. We're going to let everything sit. So we're really taking it all the way through to the exact tree that we're going to be in and a roundabout date of when we're going to go there, which is very helpful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, we're scouting them for certain wind directions and whatnot as well just to make sure that when we go in, all the hard work that we put in is going to pay off if a deer's in there realistically, but... You know, we don't want to blow them out the first time we go in because the wind's wrong. Yeah. I want to get into more of a running gun kind of set, too, this year. I think I'm looking into... I'm going to do it. I think I'm looking into the Lone Wolf Sticks. I'm going to go on there. I love the Lone Wolf Sticks. That's what I currently use. I'm going to buy the set of four. That's what I have. Uh, I think I'm going to buy an extra stick this year, though, because I used one of Anthony's last year and having five sticks. Granted, you're carrying a little bit more weight. It's a couple pounds. Yeah, it's nothing. Extra into the woods, but just having that extra couple feet that I can get up. I mean, with four sticks and an eighter, I can probably get up about 22 feet, and that's stretching it sometimes. But I'm super comfortable at that point. But when I always used a climber, I was typically trying to hit that 25 mark at minimum. And yeah. being able to get up 25 in any tree just... That's pretty really, high. It, yeah, and, and, you know, I feel comfortable at that height, you know. Yeah, that that's definitely right around where I'd like I, my comfort zone is. And that's usually even in my climber where I got railings all around me. I'm attached the whole way up kind of thing. You know, that's usually my comfort. But it's hard to find a good climber tree. You can get that high and still have shooting lanes. Yeah, I could I often find myself in a tree I can climb probably 40 feet high. But my best cover might be at 18 feet. Yeah, and at, at that, I mean, you might be, you might find a good spot. And then you're hunting for a tree that will accommodate your stand. And you might not have one in that area at all. You know, if you have a set like the running gun with lone wolf sticks in the stand, I mean, you're not hunting for the tree. You're hunting for the spot, and you can hang in any tree. It cost me a deer last year, and uh, to be honest, first day of archery season last year. Uh, I was up my camp, and I hunted out of my ladder stand in the morning just because I've always been a ladder stand in the morning guy. It's easy in and out, you know, in the dark. You want to be as quick and quiet as possible getting in and out. And I uh, saw some deer in the morning. And they all were kind of in this one little general area just out of range, probably 60, 70 yards. So in the evening, I went back in the same general range with my climber on my back. And I decided I was going to go in. I'm going to go near where I saw those deer. And I'm going to find a tree and I'm going to climb. So I went over there. And of course, it's a giant pine thicket with one of the biggest oak trees around by far. And that was the tree all the deer were circling. So this is actually a really cool story. So I'm walking in in the afternoon, and I'm coming down this trail. It's like an old road bed. And I'm coming in, and I'm walking, and I'm, I'm not paying any attention. And I look up into this pile of, like, down trees. And sure enough, I, I kind of double take. I'm like, what the hell? Is that a face looking at me? 
scared me to be honest <laughs> it, it it startled me i i looked up and i looked down and i, I kept oh whoa, whoa what is that and i looked up and there's a guy there waving at me i'm like oh thank goodness so i wasn't crazy it wasn't fit. it was a guy sitting on the ground with a crossbow hunting uh the trail so i was like oh crap you know i i'm going uh, he's basically right where i cut into the woods so i walk up past him you know wave keep going obviously i didn't see him till last minute or i wouldn't have cut him off and I keep going, and I'm 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 kind of walking, trying to figure it out, because I don't have a real good idea. I just have my climber on my back. All I know is I want to be in that general area. So I'm walking again, not really paying much attention. And next thing I know, I hear a whistle, and I it startles me again. There's a guy sitting in another pile of down trees, maybe 50 to 80 yards behind the first guy, and he whistles at me, waves me over, and he scared me again. And I'm I'm at this point now, I'm I'm a little late. So I go over there and I talk to him. I tell him, hey, I apologize again. Hey, sorry, you know, I'm, I'm headed down past you. Uh, you know, I didn't know you guys were in here. I didn't see a vehicle or anything. Don't know where they came from. They might have came from another camp would be my only guess. And so I go past him. I get into a spot and I'm, I'm looking and looking and I can't find a tree. There's no tree. They're all big pine trees, too big for my climber, trees I can't get into. Too many branches are too big. So I set up in the only tree I can climb. I'm probably... 35, 40 yards from the big tree that I kept seeing all the deer from. So I get in, I just get up to the tree, and I go to step over this last log, and I kick my stand. No. Yeah, and it goes, bing, and it rings through the woods. I mean, you could hear it probably a mile away. That's the worst, man. Those big, open woods. And as soon as I do that, I freeze immediately and look up, and sure enough, there's a doe standing 80 to 100 yards away. But I think what saved me was... She's staring right at me. She was in the only spot in the pine thicket where the sun was just coming through right into her eyes. So I think she couldn't see me. Mm -hmm. So I kind of crept over, hid behind my tree. She just kept feeding like nothing was wrong. Put my stand down, and now I'm like, I I might be able to make a play on this deer. So the deer actually feeds all the way in, and I had one opportunity at 35 yards from the ground, but it was a little bit thick. For a shot, and it was a quick little opening, I, I passed it. I try to wait to see if she'd come any closer because she was feeding right at me, no problem at all. And it was funny because that big oak tree I mentioned, she would feed it. She was feeding in circles around it. So whenever she went behind it, what's nice is that pine floor is like all the pine needles, real quiet. So I would sneak up to the next big tree 10 yards closer. And I did that. That's how I closed the distance on her. Yeah. And I, I almost got a shot, man. But eventually she just fed right back into the woods. So i had to mention that little part because that was really cool i did that evening i i literally first day of archery almost stalked a a doe and and harvested it from the ground which i've never done before i've never killed a deer from the ground before like that yeah so i i climb up my tree and deer just start flooding in that day you know one after another right to that same oak tree and they're feeding in circles around it but again here's the situation where i don't have a shot to that tree because there was no climber tree in the area so i ended up Missing out on, I think I saw like nine deer that night, and I ended up not getting one because yeah. of that. So, long story, great first day of hunting, but this year I'm going to have something for him. Hopefully I'll have a, a lone wolf stick set, uh, and maybe I'm going to go with the XOP stand, I think. Ooh, that's yeah, what I have. I know it's the same setup you have. It's not why I'm going with it. It might be a little bit. You kind of let me test it out the other day, and I, I really liked it. It was very comfortable. It's easy to put up, and I think that's going to do dividends for me. I'm a really big fan of it. I mean, I hunted with it all last year. I didn't hang a single permanent set last year. I hung that stand every time I went out, and I couldn't have been happier with it. I mean, 
I was hunting fresh sign every time I wanted. I hunted a different tree every night. Just kept them guessing, man. You yeah. Know? I think that's huge. And it's best you're going to have your best luck your first set every night or every time first set in. I kind of messed it up, I guess. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, yeah. your, your first sit is going to be your best sit, typically, Correct. Correct. is what you're trying to say. Exactly. It's not guaranteed. I know a lot of guys, oh, I sit in the same stand for three days, and on the third day, a deer came by. Typically, that'll happen in the rut. You know, a, a deer can chase a deer by, you know, a buck can chase a doe past you at any time from anywhere. That could happen. It's yeah. just, the, the meaning behind that is, every time you go into the woods somewhere, you're going to leave scent. Yep. Whether it's ground scent or, you know, whatever you brought in with you. Whether it's your tree stand snacks we might get into later. We are. <laughs> or whatever it is, you know. You're going to leave some scent there, and then, you know, if you go back to that same spot, the deer that were going through there all night long, they're going to smell you at some point. But I actually wanted to go, from there, I wanted to get into your tactics. I want to jump right into this, because I talked about kind of my plans, but I want to get into more detail. What are you going to do first day? What is, Austin, what is your plans for first day? What are you thinking? Well... <clears throat> I have two different spots in mind that I'm interested in going into, and I'm not necessarily going to go into them with facts or the aspirations of killing a buck. I'm going into them because they're doe spots that I have. That That's kind of going into my goals for the season. The first day, or I should say the first week, real early, I want to get a doe on the ground. I try and do that every year. You know, I just like to get the nerves out of the way and just really, I don't know, knock the rust off my bow. <laughs> per se i mean i'm shooting right now obviously but but yeah i want to go into a doe spot get a doe on the ground early and then that's a couple different spots that i have to do that so i'm pretty well, excited about those you gonna hunt the morning no no i'm gonna sleep in the first day and i know it's, i get excited i'm jacked for season don't get mm-hmm. me wrong but i just seem every time opening day i might go into the woods everybody else is out they're kicking deer around. I end up blowing deer out every year going into my stand in the morning. Just opening day. And, you know, I don't... Some of the two spots I don't want to go to, there's a little bit of pressure. But I just want to... I don't know. I'm going to go in for an evening hunt. I'm going to wake up, make some breakfast, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then go in for an evening hunt and hopefully put a doe on the ground. But, yeah. Yeah, I would... I would. I agree with you. I think what I'm going to do, because I know I'm not going to be able to contain myself from not hunting first morning... I get way too excited. I'm excited right now. Like I said, I didn't sleep last night, and it's it's not even September yet. <laughs> so <laughs> first day, I know I'm going to be wanting to go. But here's my plan. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm going to sleep in, and I'm going to get up right around first light. Same thing. Go through the whole routine. Get some food and get a proper breakfast. Something that's gonna you know allow me to sit for an extended period of time. I'm gonna go in right after first light. I'm gonna sneak in probably to that oak tree my only worry is going to be people pressure yeah because last year first morning i was in super early and i saw two or three different flashlights kind of work around me in different directions so i i think if i sneak in there though at first light that way kind of still hunt my way in just like that story i told about the doe that i almost put down last year i think if i do that and i sit in till say noon you're gonna wait until noon i'm gonna try because listen every single year i'm the guy that's up super early in super early i have about a half an hour dark and i'm i'm waiting for it to get light and then i hunt and i'm tired and i'm i'm ready to go back before 10 o'clock nine o'clock if i'm lucky and then on on the way out usually back to the camp i see deer all over the road running around oh bro see i'm total opposite of you if i was going in in the morning opening day 
just in the morning in general. If I'm doing a morning hunt, I like to be at my tree like an hour and a half before light. Whoa. I'm, I'm serious. I like to get in the tree and I'm hanging a stand. So that, yeah. that's 15 minutes because I'm, I'm doing it nice and quiet in the morning, mm-hmm. slow as I can. I like to get up in the stand and I like to let the woods just kind of calm down for about an hour and really just get in there and just, just get everything set up in the dark, dark, dark. I can just be perfectly ready to go and then first light i'm ready to rock the woods are calmed down you know i don't like to i used to go in like maybe a half hour before and i got busted so many times in that gray light that i just don't trust it anymore i like to be in there yeah i an hour and a half is pretty rough that's that's intense but i don't blame you i understand what you're saying i don't know if i could do that man you gotta get up so early to do something like that for one i like my sleep and usually we're up to camp and we're having a good time out by the fire don't get to bed on time you know i i kind of usually we're rushing out the door like hey uh we got to get going we're we're running out of dark oh man but last year was beautiful i mean i literally last year and the year before what helped also was it was overcast and kind of rainy two years ago and i remember being up in my stand and it was just wonderful being up there for like you said for like a half an hour in the in the dark it's cool up there you got million stars in the sky and being up in the woods and the mountains it's just it's a whole different experience no i agree they come to the woods come awake and they come alive and they just wake up and it's like there's nowhere else in the world i'd rather be at that point just phenomenal the spot i'm gonna be in this year it's not necessarily quiet in the morning like that even when you get in an hour early or whatever you're hearing semis and stuff (laughs) driving down the road past you it's super loud you gotta kind of be pretty vigilant about it but yeah, I got a couple spots like that, too, that we hunt, you know, where you're just constantly listening to traffic go by, but yep. there's deer in there, and that's why we're in there, so it's not the it's not the worst thing in the world, I guess. No, it's not. You just got to really pay attention, and it kind of helps you a little bit for your noise getting in yeah. to the stand and getting out your access, I guess, but hearing the deer is almost non-existent in that spot. I mean, you just got to really pay attention, but... That stinks. I know two years ago, like I was saying, it was dark. I was in early. And I do remember a deer walking past me in the dark where if you would have said, like, if I would normally been in there and a half an hour before dark, that deer probably would have busted out because it walked right under me. And it was so dark, I couldn't even see the deer. But I like, I could see the outline at one point when it was directly underneath my, my ladder stand. And then it just disappeared. And I remember sitting there and I didn't hear or see anything for like the first 15, 20 minutes. The next thing you know, out of absolutely nowhere, this little doe pops out right in front of me at 15 yards. Walks right out in my lane. Yep. No idea where it came from. It could have been the same deer that walked underneath me. Maybe it went and laid down just out of sight again. Or it was just feeding in that area and I couldn't hear or see it. Yeah. And it popped out right behind a pine tree and I, I whacked it. It ran like 30 yards and fell down right beside me. That was yeah. cool. That is awesome. I like getting it done on first day. I like just trying to get one out of the way and really knock those nerves off. But My know, goal is just to see deer. Oh, yeah. I mean, I you always know, want to see deer. That's what pumps me up. If Absolutely. I'm in the woods and I see deer, it's a successful hunt. Oh, I agree 100%. And, you know, especially first day. <clears throat> you know, that kind of gets into my next kind of question for you, really. What are your goals for this season? Well, usually going into a season, uh, I don't set my goals very high. I just typically try to kill buck with my bow. And I always try to fill at least two doe tags yeah. with my bow. You know, I I would love to 
tag out with my bow that'd be awesome if i could do that every year that'd be great and never hunt with a rifle or anything that'd be awesome but not realistic when you have six tags to tag out in archery all the time that's yeah. really hard to do so that's really hard this year what changed it is the success i had last year so last year i killed a really good buck on the last day of the year and i would love to get a buck bigger than him but i think thinking about it now because i've never really thought about this until right now i would love to get i would love to kill a buck out of a buck bed that we scouted i think one of the points i wanted to talk about yeah i think that would be really cool because we're we're putting in a lot of time and we're learning a lot about buck bedding and different things that i never knew before podcast to be perfectly honest with you never had a clue what a buck bed was compared to just regular bedding and or how to look for them so yeah and we'll touch on that but that that might be part of my goal if i can either one i might hold out early now since i've gotten three bucks under my belt with it with my bow in the last two years uh one in ohio for the people out there that are wondering because you're only allowed to kill one buck in pennsylvania so two in pa and one in ohio in the last two years i'd like to kind of hold out for maybe a a 130 or better i wouldn't i mean you haven't tried a ton of bucks with your press i wouldn't hold out for anything Early. Great. I'm talking oh, early. you're talking early. Okay. Yeah, okay. early in the year. Yeah. That changes. It goes, I, I'm not going to say that I'll shoot a small seven point late in the year or yeah. something, you know, or small six point. It really depends. I, I'm not I'm not out there trophy hunting, but I do want to, I know there's places where we hunt where there are bigger deer than what I shot this year. Yeah. They're out there. I think with our scouting technique and the more work that we put in this year, that's a reality that we can both put down deer or at least get an opportunity with yeah. deer because it's not easy to kill them even when you get an opportunity on those kind of deer. Yeah, yeah. You know, so maybe that or, you know, if just to, just to kind of, again, kill a buck with my bow would be my goal and hopefully feel at least two doe tag and maybe a, a doe tag up to, up to camp would be cool. I love killing deer up there. It's, it's hard. Oh, yeah. It's hard to kill deer up there. Compared. You feel accomplished when you do that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I definitely do. I've had a harder time killing them up there with my bow and just to get them in range and, and close the deal. Yeah, that's totally understandable. Yeah. So do you want to get into <clears throat> what we're doing scouting-wise then since we talked about it a few times? We're kind of looting it. Or do yeah. you have something better? <clears throat> yeah, no, we can, we can definitely talk about that. And I just wanted to touch on the fact, too, that I don't know. I'd really like <laughs> I'd really like to kill one out of a buck bed this year too, just mm-hmm. for my own satisfaction, just because of how much work we put in on it. And you know, I really started learning about buck beds, really hunting buck beds from the hunting beast. Right. You know, Dan Infold, he's he's an animal. He's the big buck serial killer. You know, and his beast tactics. Um, if you guys haven't been out, or haven't been on to the hunting beast, the forum, you know, sign up and get yourself on there. There's thousands of guys on there and there's discussions every day about about getting aggressive and hunting bucks on buck beds and you know if you have a question about something you can throw it out there and you will have a lot a lot a lot of people answer and generally they're really good really knowledgeable hunters and you know they're they're willing to help you out i mean that's a really awesome place i don't know i i got into hunting buck beds and I got Charles into it, and now we're just kind of like ate up with the fact of finding buck beds and kind of determining whether they're the primary bed or a tertiary bed or whether we think it's really a mature buck that's using the bed or a little buck. I don't know. I <laughs> I think it's fun just finding them, and if we can hang a set and kill a buck off of one, 
that's just going to be the cherry on top for me. I'm going to be stoked about that. Yeah, and, and let me touch on this too because, uh, you know, we're, we've both been hunting for quite a while now, uh, you know, and fairly successful, the two of us, yeah. for sure. But I want to, because I, I get so excited, I've been out, I mentioned, I've been out a lot with McCoy and Burks, and they're, they're more, uh, you know, Burks, this is his real first real go at archery season in a, in a serious way. He's archery hunted before, but this is going to be his first year as a real serious archery hunter. And I'm out there scouting with him and then McCoy, who mentioned he's been doing it for about five years now. And he still, you know, hasn't killed a buck, but he just loves killing deer with his bow. He still feels very accomplished, and everybody should. Yeah. You, it's a trophy. Every deer you kill with a bow is a trophy. But I wanted, I wanted to throw that out there. If you're a beginner hunter and you're just looking at, to kill a buck, you're kind of in it for the wrong reason. So... And they, and they are not in it for the wrong reason, Burks and McCoy. So we go out scouting, and I, I can't help myself anymore. I'm I'm looking for buck beds. I'm scouting for different things like that. And I come up to them, and I get all giddy and excited, and I'm showing them, and I'm telling them this, and I'm telling them that. And they just look at me and go, yeah, oh, that's cool, but I, I just want to kill a deer. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, come on, man. You can't get – you got to get as excited as I am right now. Like, you're killing me. You're <laughs> killing my vibe because I, I'm, like, all pumped up. I find this – great buck bed at one of mccoy's properties the other day and i mean it just had me all kinds of crazy i was just i was throwing out so much information at them because i want them to learn the things that it took me 16 years to learn you and know you and want I, them to know it like right now i want them to know it now and <laughs> you know but no you you definitely made a good point about the hunting beast if you don't know what a buck bed is if you're listening to this you know what are they talking about buck bed what, what does that mean Go ahead and listen to the Hunting Beast podcast. They'll explain exactly what a buck bed is yeah. and how to find it. And that's where all this information that I got came from. But what was nice for me was I have all these years of experience hunting that I can relate back to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Because I've dealt with those experiences. I've dealt with those situations. I put a lot of time in the woods where I'm like, oh, so that's why that happened. Or that's why that buck came from that way. You know, that that was really cool. And that's why I think I got so hooked on on podcast to begin with and then you know now we do our own it's kind of cool too because we get to talk about all the stuff that we're seeing out there instead of just kind of keeping that all in and not getting it to share it with anybody but your buddies yeah you know but now i i agree man i think scouting this year and, and looking for buck bed and stuff there's another thing too i mean even killing a buck off a buck bed i mean i don't even really care how big it is this year to be honest with you i'm not necessarily saying if a little one comes by, I'm going to shoot it. But if a semi-mature buck comes mm -hmm. out of a buck bed and I have an opportunity at it, I'm putting an arrow in it, man, just for... I, I'm not going to sit here and look you in the eyes and tell you if a 110-inch buck comes out of a buck bed that I've been hunting over top of for the first time and the one that I scouted and put everything together, the, the tree, the wind direction, everything, and he walks by me, I can't look you in the eyes and say that the, the demon won't take over and, and fling an arrow at it, okay? <laughs> I'm letting one fly, dude. I'll lie right to your face if I tell you something like that. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think that would be really cool. I am probably going to lie to you if uh, if I'm hunting a buck bed and maybe like a four-point gets out of it. Well, here. And he goes walking by and be like, oh, man, you know, I passed on a 160 today. <laughs> I know there's a bigger one. <laughs> Now, don't be confused, though, because that could be the first little buck coming out of a secondary bedding area, too. I'm just messing with you. I know. I'm just trying to help help the listeners out there. You know another thing I really want to do this year? 
I really want to kill a doe with my ghillie suit. Ooh. You know, I've stalked deer before in Pennsylvania, and I was really successful the one year. I stalked a little buck in a rainstorm, and I didn't know he was a little buck. I just saw antlers, and I was still hunting when I saw him, and I stalked him within 15 yards, man. I could have shot him all day, and I almost did, and I would have if he was legal, just because I put on such a good stock. Yeah. And I've always wanted to do it for a doe, just with my ghillie suit, man. I've been hunting with a ghillie suit for a couple years now, and I haven't got it done with it because I'm not... I don't know. I, want to, I don't want to say I'm not as patient as I am sitting in a tree stand, but if I'm on the ground, I feel like I kind of want to still hunt and stuff. So. Yeah, there's something about being in a tree that definitely uh, is more exciting or, I don't know, it's just more of what you think of when you're archery hunting because it's, it's hard to kill a deer off the ground, man. I mean, I've done it. I'm, I've sh- My first buck's off the ground. Yeah, well, you got a super <clears throat> sweet ghillie suit. I don't have a super sweet ghillie suit. I didn't suit. shoot it wearing the ghillie suit. I shot it wearing my normal camo. Uh, I wish I would have been wearing the ghillie suit. Then we wouldn't have become having this conversation right now. But. I've had a couple encounters. I missed the doe one time off the ground. Yeah. I drew back, and my uh, my peep sight was completely sideways, and it was closed off. Yeah. I couldn't see through it. Well, so. we're kind of bouncing around a little bit, but <laughs> anyway, kind of getting back to the mobile setup and stuff, what are your expectations when you get a stand that sticks this year? Well, I think what's going to be awesome about the mobile setup and why I know I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger on it is because of, like right now, I'm like last night I was panicking because I'm thinking, oh, I don't have anywhere to go and I don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to have a mobile setup. What's nice about that is, that is I know how to scout now. I'm going to scout my way in like I know Dan Infault does a lot Yeah, from the Hunting Beast. He'll scout in, look for that fresh sign, and he'll set up right there. I did that last year. Every time I went in, I saw more deer last year than I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not looking for scrapes and rubs or stuff like that like everybody usually does whenever they scout. I, and, you know, I'm talking catching a, a fresh big track coming out of a bedding area that I've scouted on my phone. Because I already did all the work on my phone on maps. I went in on maps, you know, all year long I was doing this. And I'm when I got bored at the bar or something, I was literally just... Sitting there, half drunk, pulling up my map, zooming in on areas, going, this is going to be a good buck bet. And I was marking them all. So I know those areas there, it would be really good to scout them. But I know if I don't get to scouting them, what's going to be nice, I have that mobile setup. So I have that mobile setup. It'll be on my back. I'll be walking into spots, looking at my phone. And if I catch a fresh track coming out of there, I'm going to go in. And I'm going to set up on that trail. you know. And I think expectations for it, I th- I'll bet you... I see more deer this year than I've ever seen in the past. I bet you I'll have a lot more sits seeing deer than I have before. You know, before I'd have a lot of sits where I didn't see a deer. Yeah, I'll bet you have more success this year. Not not success necessarily killing, but definitely more success seeing more deer. Yeah. And on a more frequent basis because you're going to be going into new spots all year. Yeah, and that's going to depend. I don't know, man. Eventually, I'm going to have to go back to reality and get a job here, um, get back into the big boy life. So that's going to depend on what my schedule looks like. I was really hoping to just kind of, you know, push this uh, unemployment thing out until after hunting season. But uh, I got to go on our out-of-state trip this year. I want to go to Kentucky. Uh, you should probably go get a job. <laughs> so I probably need a job. Yeah, you should probably go get a job. That's that's probably for the best. So that's going to depend. But that's going to be nice, too, because I'm not going to have to worry about putting up stands or moving stands around. And, and for what you're saying, I can get up in that thing as quick as I can, a climber, with, but quieter. 
and I can the the half the part of my time for a climber, no doubt, is looking for a tree. Yeah, and then That's trying to be I, really quiet going yeah. up the tree, which is almost impossible. And the problem with that is a lot of times I'll walk in, I'll see fresh sign, and then I'll end up walking all around that area to find a good tree that I can set up in where I can cover the area I want to hunt. So now I've put my scent all over the place. Yep. So I think it's going to save me a lot of time regardless of what my situation is with how much time I have to hunt. But I really do like it. I'm looking at it right now. I can't stop looking at the thing because it just looks sweet. I mean, it's it's light. We put it up on you know a couple sticks up a tree the other day and and sat in it. It's comfortable. I could deal with it. I absolutely. I'm I'm actually pumped about it. So yeah. I mean, I love it. I love it. But I want to get into talking about that spot that we just uh, scouted yesterday. Actually, the yeah. most expensive scouting day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, go ahead and get into that one. I was meeting Chuck down at the spot that we were going to go scout, and I, I pull in and I pull next to him, and then I look in my rearview mirror, and there's cop lights. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I wasn't speeding, and I'm just wondering what's going on, and he comes up, and, you know, he had ran my plates and was just checking on me and whatnot and thought I was going a little faster than I was, and turns out I had... Uh, you didn't have your license? I, did, or... I didn't have my updated insurance card, insurance card yeah so that was a uh 416 fine <laughs> <laughs> that uh i actually went to the magistrate today and they dismissed because he was very nice he gave me a warning now if i didn't have insurance that would have been bad and i would have had to pay it but yeah lucky you i actually knew the cop and he is a fellow hunter um hopefully he's a listener to the podcast might have to hit him up if he's not man. i really appreciate him being very <laughs> lenient because that was an expensive one so uh i did have my insurance but i just didn't have the right card in there right you just didn't have your up-to-date card i thought right. it was funny because i had mccoy's uh clown mask in the car from whenever he came over and tried to scare my wife the other night and uh, i put it on so you come rolling in and i'm wearing a clown mask and next thing you know i'm laughing at you and i look over and there's a cop pulling in i'm like oh shit <laughs> take the mask off <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, it was funny, but we went through that, and we didn't have as much time to scout after that. I was kind of running late as it was getting off work, but we got in there, and right off the bat, I mean, we were probably in there five minutes, and I found that buck bed right on that transition to begin with. Yeah, it's funny, because we, we sat at the car after the incident with the cop, and we kind of looked, both both of us pulled up our maps, and we were looking at the topography, and we are like, ah, we're expecting to see something here and here. And then we got in there, and I'll be honest, that topography was a little off from what I expected. It was really from goofy. What the map showed, and uh, the bed, the, where it was, I would not have expected that. Looking at a map, but you could tell definitely when we got in there why it was there. Yep. And it it was it's actually kind of foolproof. There's, yeah, it, it's going to be a tough one to hunt if 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 I actually hunt that bed at all. I might. Uh, I would say. Uh, because we went past that then and we found that real nice spot uh there's like this little drainage ditch area and there were a lot super of tracks. access man yeah super quiet and you're you're down below everything probably about six feet down below everything the access is just primo it is primo because you can literally slip right in it's like a, a muddy little bottom where you can quietly get right in we picked out some trees that are on the edge that you can get up into without causing any stir at all I'd be surprised if you ever jumped a deer unless they were bedded right on the edge of that little I'd ditch. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. If and I there did. wasn't really any bedding there either. It wasn't, you know, a, 
a close betting spot. But I think if you get into that spot, maybe not hunting right over to bed, but we talked about hunting that spot like pre-rut, late October, mm-hmm. where those deer might go that little extra, that little bit extra distance. They might be cruising through that uh, bottom yeah and looking for doe because there was a lot of doe sign in there there was so much doe sign in there man and i know you get in there just before maybe when the rut's starting some big boys are going to be starting to cruise through there with as many does that are hanging out there one of them's going to come into heat early and it's going to be on and the other good thing too you could possibly you know get a buck moving that far just because there was no real good food source where the buck bed was that spot's probably 85 90 yards from that buck bed and i'd like to be maybe 60 from the buck bed if i was gonna hunt it there's just no getting in there without getting busted no there's no big unless you hunted from the ground we talked about that you could come in you could come in from that low point and you could have the ghillie suit on and you could creep right over top there was like a little knob that ran kind of just behind where that buck's bed was a knob and then a big saddle yeah and then another knob, and it would have been, you got to just kind of peek up over top of it with your binos and see if he's in his bed or not. But I think you could do that, though. I, I bet I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be too crazy to get in there with the ghillie or bring the ghillie. And like you said, just peek up over that knob, hit that buck bed with the binoculars. Because if you remember from that side, I told you there are three really big trees on that side of his bed where you can hide behind those big trees when you pop up over top of that knob and he's not going to see you. And you can scout and say, okay, is the buck in the bed or not? If he's not in the bed, okay, drop back down, walk over to the other spot set up like you were going to anyways. Is he in the bed? Okay, maybe I sit here, I put my drop down this little knob, get my ghillie suit on, get ready, and I sit right here beside this little, uh, because it was pretty thick on that knob. Yeah, there was like uh, all kinds of like vines and real high weeds. Yeah, and, there were grapevines in there. Yeah, and some grapevines and stuff. You could definitely nestle into one of them right beside a tree and and potentially, like you said, get one off the ground. You could, you know, knock off two birds with one stone there. Deer from the ground with the ghillie and a buck out of a buck bed. That'd be awesome, man. I really wanted to look at that spot because I think a, a travel corridor for a buck that I've been hunting for the past. This is three years now. Goon. The goon. The goon. And I don't typically name box or anything like that, but... He's a goon. He's a goon. He's (laughs) a goon. I don't want to put a number on him or anything, but he's he's six on one side and seven on the other with split brows, and he's just an absolute tanker of a buck. Mass all the way through, and your brother actually saw him last year in rifle season, didn't have a buck tag. Him, my, uh, my older brother John, my younger brother Joe, and then our buddy Tommy that was on last week. They were all three hunting together, rifle season, pushing for doe. None of them had a buck tag. Yep. They all filled them in archery season. And that thing kicked up and ran 40 yards and stood there and stared it back at him. He's just a Like he knew. <clears throat> and the area that he kicked him up on, compared to the area where you were seeing him at on camera earlier in the year, the spot we're looking at, could be one of those transition zones where he's getting from point A to point B. I think it is because where I got him on camera in early September last year, I had him in August, all through August, and early September, and then he disappeared. Same as the year before. Had him all August and early September, and he disappeared. And I think that has to do with the neighbors and stuff on the property I was hunting because they just pressure the hell out of it. And I think they just pushed him out. I never really knew where he went, but... 
suspicions confirmed last year with your brother yeah. Tommy spotted him. I mean, this is an overlooked area, actually designated public. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't. I mean, I wouldn't peg that other people are going to be in this spot. I wouldn't either. Um, it's it's truly an overlooked area, and it's not very big. It's not something you would think for deer hunting would be a successful spot to hunt but as we saw their sign in there and i will tell all of the listeners exactly where it is <laughs> tell them let them know where it is it is on <laughs> right where the two corners meet of new york and west virginia right on the panhandle that's exactly where it is it's exactly where we're hunting yep. um it's right along the mississippi river there right on that border and <laughs> underneath the mississippi bridge there's a tree there there's some brush there was a few there were a few trees in that yeah. spot i saw a rock <laughs> yeah. i saw fish i saw fish <laughs> yeah yeah but enough of me rambling on so anyways that goes into like one of our first scouting trips all year though we found really good bedding yeah really really good buck bedding down below where you first saw him where you saw a goon on camera that if it's not goon bowl. using that little buck bull there's someone else using that is i'm i'm gonna say that's primary buck that's the biggest buck in the area using that spot well there i had that giant super wide nine mm -hmm. on camera last year the same area as goon and it just that buck probably was 22 inches wide inside and, yeah and just because goon has 13 points doesn't make him a bigger badass than that nine point. No, but I know. think he's. I think this year, I think he's five and a half years old, which is unheard of in Pennsylvania. This is the third year for him that I've been hunting him, and yeah, I mean he was a split brow the first year, a ten, and then last well, year the the year after, no, last year he was a thirteen, and then this year. Who knows? Know. We don't know my, yet. I haven't pulled my cameras to really find out. Well, the camera that you got them on, someone messed with. Tell me messed with it. Uh, so that didn't help, which means someone's in there, which is probably why you wouldn't have seen him there in the first place. Right. Uh, I. But, I mean, it makes sense how he's gotten old because that, that buck bull is just, it's dang near bulletproof scent-wise. It's it's an absolute great setup. And then where, we, where he's been located late, late in the year in rifle, too, that makes sense why he wasn't, you know, hasn't been seen much or either. You know, some of the areas he's hunt or he's living in, there's a reason he's gotten old. It's it's hard access. Oh man, he's he's, he's smart. sitting in the spots where it is damn near impossible to kill him. If he's yeah. in that buck bull or another buck's in that buck bull, it's almost impossible to hunt it on any given wind. That's gonna be tricky because we 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 still need to get back in there at some point and just kind of uh, drop some milkweed and and see what what's going on from the spot where we think we can hunt yeah because I, i'll bet you no matter what the wind direction that wind is going to just funnel back in right and it's going to drop bed. right back into their bed yeah because they're literally in the middle of this bowl and it's thick there's like these reeds all around but there's little tiny trees uh, the tree we picked out was a, a tiny pine tree that i could probably fit in my house for christmas you know and but the nice part is it's up on a hillside, so you don't have to get in at five, six feet, yep. and you got great cover. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what the wind's going to do there. I think it's going to be hard, man. I don't I don't know how I'm going to hunt that yet. And <clears throat> Even if I do hunt it, I don't know if I'm even going to hunt it this year. I might just use it as an observation this year and hunt it next year. I don't know. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, that was the first really exciting scouting that we did, though. Yeah, that was the first like 
crazy bunk bed that we found. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were both pretty excited about that. Like, oh, it makes so much sense. Yeah. And then when I found that area, what I did is I went on the map and I looked at it and I was trying to see what that area looked like on a map so I could look potentially for something that looks similar to it elsewhere yep. on different properties. But you would never see it from a map. You would have never seen it. I, I maybe I need a better map. I don't know. You know. <laughs> no, I thought I thought it was good. Looking at it from the map, you're not going to be able to tell that it's a bedding area Mm-mm. on on the map. I mean, unless you get boots on the ground, you get in there, and then you're like, well, it, it might have helped. Now. I didn't have Onyx back then either. It might have helped with Onyx. I had Onyx the at the topography. time. We, I had Onyx the time that we scouted it, and you still can't tell. Can't and tell. I even went in a couple different ways to find different layers, and it's just you can't tell. Hmm. You know, but that actually kind of leads me into uh, the swamp unit that we hunt. Yep. You know, we found some good buck bedding this year, and we got some plans for it and whatnot. But, you know, we had a couple good hunts out there last year. I kind of want to talk about those a little bit. Yeah, and before we get into that hunt also, because uh, you yelled at me and you said you were going to bring me up or bring this up in one of the episodes, Austin was, you know, at home working, being a good boy, and I'm out there scouting, sending them pictures. Oh, look at this track I saw. Look at these trails. You know, and I'm I'm in that, that piece. And one of the – we scouted that, like, early, early spring. Winter. It was winter. There was snow on the ground. But I then we, think it was March. Well, they, we went in there first trying to look for um, sheds. It was, it was frosted. And it was frosted. Everything was frozen. Yeah. So then we went back again. Yeah, you're right. Early spring. And we found potentially a really nice buck bed. So, of course, the, the piece where I hung my camera, I had to go in. The property owner asked me to move it, so I had to go back and move it. So I went back in. I grabbed my camera. Uh, I started doing a little bit more scouting. And I said, you know what? For the hell of it, I'm going to go in there. I know where this buck bed is. It's, it's, I marked it on my, my maps. You know, it's got to be up here real, real close, but it, boy, is it thick. So I walk in there. I take about 10 steps. And I'm looking around. I'm like, it was right here. And I, I come up to the first set of uh, little trees there on this little tiny oxbow in the creek. And there's a bed there. And I'm like, oh, cool. There, you know, there's a small bed. That's, that's really cool. But this is not the bed we saw. I take about 10 more steps. Sure enough, I'm, I'm within 10 yards, maybe 6 yards from this bed. Don't even know that's where it is. Sure enough, Buck jumps up takes off out the back door and i went you got to be kidding me oh yeah i said we nailed it suspicions confirmed yeah we nailed it i was like that's exciting because we i set up a camera and i'm not going back until season right then and there i i found its exit route and i set up a camera on two crossing trails out of the exit from that area so we'll see what what happens to that but we have a good setup for that so i'm excited maybe that maybe now i'll sleep better at night knowing that but, okay, yeah, so last year, um, me, me and Austin went out to this property that I have because let's start with the first story. You know, uh, you had not killed a deer yet that year, right? Yeah, I was bumming out, man, because you, I just didn't have any time to hunt. You were bummed. You weren't getting out in the woods a lot. You know, I was seeing a ton of deer out there, and I was like, you know what? Come out with me. I'll set you up in my stand. I actually went and hunted Anthony's stand that was set up on that property, and it was a cold, crisp morning, rut morning. I think it was like, <clears throat> I think it was like 18 degrees that morning. It was, it was cold, cold and cold. crunchy. And I just remember the light, the uh, the field started to light up, and the first thing I saw was this little buck running two doe all back and forth through this field, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in between us. 
and you know, and I got deer all around me. I got a doe that comes out around to my right, and next thing you know, they take off. They chase them down into the swamp, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And I'm texting you, and the next thing you know, I look over because I can see the bottom of the field, and you can't. Yep. So I'm looking down in the bottom, kind of covering the area you can't see because of the brush in the tree that you're in, and I'm texting, oh, deer coming right at you. And I'm looking at them through my binox, and I'm like, okay, there's two doe and a little buck, the, you know, does in the front coming right at you. <laughs> so I'm watching in the binoculars, and the deer's walking up the edge of the field, and I'm thinking, oh, and I can't see you from my spot. This is in a pin oak tree, and it's November, and it's just still loaded with leaves. I had all the cover in the world. I could have done jumping jacks, and they wouldn't have seen me. Yeah, that's where I've talked previously. That's where my favorite tree used to be. Yep, it yep. was a, a cherry. So I'm watching this deer's close in the distance, close in the distance. I'm like, it's got to be there any minute now. And then I hear thwack, and the deer just takes off, bolts down towards the bottom, towards the creek. And I'm watching the whole th- thing through my binoculars, and I can just see uh, blood spilling out of it. And this deer's just getting lower and lower and lower to the ground. Pretty soon it's running and it's just its its stomach's almost dragging and then just boom, 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 tumbles and goes down. Oh, yeah. And I was so pumped up. I think the first thing I texted you was, let's go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, with like 400 exclamation points. I was so fired up. I was, yeah, man, I was giddy for you. I was, I was more proud that you shot that deer than I, because I don't think I had shot a deer yet that year either. I don't think you did either. I didn't. So, I mean, but I was way more pumped. And then... You know, we got down, we field dressed the deer, and, um, you know, you hunted that stand. I hunted it once or twice before, and we both said the same thing. We keep seeing deer in the woods. We were hunting kind of the edge of the field where I've had really good success in the past. Dude, I probably, that morning, I saw a lot of deer in the field running all over the place through the pastures and everything, but I probably saw, I don't know, 20 deer funnel down through that small little windrow woodlot. I mean, it was yeah. it was crazy. I saw way more deer funneling down through there. Yeah, it's just a tiny patch of woods there. I saw a good buck go down through there. I saw just does galore. I mean, there were deer everywhere that day. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, so we're like, okay, let's field dress your deer. And then you're like, I want to help you because I told you the same thing. I was like, I've been seeing them in there too, and I just haven't moved my stand because, you know, I've, I'm have i a creature of habit where I've been complacent without a true running gun. There's no climber trees in there. No. <laughs> There's There's no climber trees. There's no. Yeah. So I don't have a setup like yours. I'm like, you know what? You're right. Let's do it. Let's move the ladder stand into the woods. I've been seeing way too many deer. So we find the trail is just pounded through there. And this one trail comes right through the middle of it. So we find a great tree, you know, like five different, like different trees come up in one. And we set up the, the ladder stand in there and it's just money. It's a money setup. So I'm like, okay, cool. Next time I hunt it, I shot a doe out of that stand. And then I waited till the end of the year, two days left in the in the season. I went back into that stand. And I was hunting that ladder stand. And it's getting darkish. It's probably half an hour till dark. We like to call it dark 30, you know, time you expect to see deer. And I hear some, some ruckus and crashing out behind me out in the field. And, and sure enough, I look back to my left out into the pasture. And there's a really nice eight point standing out in the pasture just looking and he comes walking right into my set of woods probably 60 yards down from me but it's super thick i'm right on the transition where it gets super super thick to nice open little piece of woods so he's in there probably making some scrapes he may have been chasing around another little deer i mean he's making all kinds of noise 
I didn't grunt or anything. The deer was already coming towards me, so I just let it go. I could have grunted because it was thick enough. He would have had to come over and investigate. So I waited and waited. Oh, why I didn't grunt? Because I thought I forgot my grunt call. <laughs> I didn't have a grunt call on me, supposedly. It was in your backpack. It was in my backpack the whole time. Um, but I, I couldn't find it. It wasn't where it usually was. It was in a totally different pocket. And so I didn't, I didn't think I had my grunt call. That's why I didn't grunt. So this deer's coming up. Finally, it's getting so dark I can hardly see. And, and next thing I know, I hear crunch, crunch, crunch. And I'm like, here we go. Finally, here we go. I look over. Here comes a deer. It's walking right across that one trail, 20 yards, 25 yards, oh, it's maybe. it's a chip shot. It's a chip shot, yep. 20 yards. It's coming broadside. But it's dark enough now to the point where I'm not totally confident where my lanes are to my left, where it's coming from. But I know once it gets past this little set of trees – it is wide open. I got a great lane about eight yards wide. As soon as it comes through there, that's, those trees are going to let me draw back, and I'm going to let it fly right in that lane. So the buck's coming in. It's coming in. I mean, this is the biggest body deer I've seen in a long time. I mean, you could just see massive, massive bodied buck. And he's coming in. He's all rutted out. And, and sure enough, he gets right to those that little triple tree with some brush. I draw back. That deer, as soon as it hits that, drops down over the hill away from me and I was just crushed and he works down around out of sight I let down I'm like screw it I got to try something grab my rattling antlers bang them together real quick and I throw them on the ground now the reason I did that is because I'm thinking in the middle of no time you know I got to make some noise on the ground because he was already through this area he knows there's no deer here if he just hears rattling he's gonna be like what was that doesn't make any sense so I rattled threw him on the ground made some noise he came back. He circled me downwind, though. He come out. He busted out right, I kid you not, right past the tree where the, the ladder stand was where you shot your doe. He walks right underneath that tree and circles down down behind me in the, in the field, but I don't have a shot past 25 yards in the field, and he's like 50 yards. And he stood out in the field for a half an hour until it was too dark to, to dang near see him, and he just turned and walked away. So... Next night, it's the last night of the year. I'm, I'm kind of crushed because I thought, you know, that was my opportunity. I waited all year long. I hunted hard last year. All year long, didn't see any bucks that were legal. That was the first buck I had within range. So I think, you know what? I'm going to go where that buck busted out in the corner of that pasture. I'm bringing in Betsy the buck decoy. I think I came in with you that night. Yep. You were with me. Yeah. You're like, okay. And I, I was telling you, Ross had seen a really nice buck early that year. He didn't have his buck tag either. He'd already filled it on the other side of the farm, uh, down near the swamp on the left side. Yep. So I'm like, you go down there. Russ was in a tree down there. You should be able to see it. I'm pretty sure it was full poison ivy or something. It was, but I don't get it, so I climbed right yeah. up it. So you're like, that's the problem. I don't get it. Okay, perfect. Go climb that tree. <laughs> you got your mobile set up. You went over there. I went down to the cow pasture. I set up, set out the, the buck decoy, and... Early on, I think that same little buck we saw together when you shot that doe, it, he came out into the field up in the very top. He fed around with some doe forever and ever. And I was like, you know what? He's legal. He's a great young buck. I'm not going to shoot that deer because this is a property where I know there's good buck, and that deer has a lot of potential. You know, He's probably a two-year-old, and he's already, you know, well, he probably would have been a year and a half, and he was a little five-point. You know, he was young. Oh, yeah, he was a little year and a half, probably. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but he had great potential. So I'm like, I'm not going to shoot that deer. So I'm sitting there, and the night's closing in, and, you know, I did some some blind grunting, blind 
blind rattling and sure enough i'm sitting I, I finally sit back down it's dark and i'm like i'm i'm done this is it you know it, it's it's about that time it's closing in to the last minutes of the hunt and i'm just sitting there kind of recollecting on the whole season kind of beat myself up about the night before and sure enough i hear crunch 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 and i look up at my binoculars and as soon as i pull them up i'm right on them i mean he's standing there at the edge of the fence row 35 yards looking right at my decoy sizing him up just a tank just a tanker i mean he's looking at me and i i just look up and i went oh man that that's him that's him that's the big boy from the night before i can't believe it there he is he's pacing back and forth on this fence and i'm like come on you got to come in closer than that i, I can't i can't shoot you there because he's facing right at me anyways so he, he hops over the fence bubble like just this big old body deer and he starts coming in. He's posturing. He's sizing up. He's going to go. He's coming in the back side of my decoy, and he's going to mount it. And my decoy is just, I always make it a half rack, little uh, four to a side half rack. And this buck is, is going to mount the back side of my decoy. He's 15 yards now. I draw back, and when I draw back, my arrows, the fletchings on my quiver, hit my stand, which has never happened to me in, in, since I've had this new bow. And it makes a little bit of noise, and I can just remember him stopping, and his and his pearly whites just turn right towards me. And at this point, I'm thinking, oh, you're done, buddy. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not messing up two nights in a row. And I steady it in, pull off the shot, and I can just see the, the nocturnal bury into him. I mean, when that deer, it bolted as fast as it could. You could see, you, it was almost to a point where, you couldn't see like the arrow flying around. You could just see a solid light on the deer. So I knew I buried it all the way to the fletchings. And it ran full speed out of sight, 80 to 100 yards away. And all of a sudden I hear, poing. And, and I'm like, what the hell was that? I mean, and then I can, the buck actually made a noise. Like it almost made like a grunt noise. And next thing you know, I can hear the pasture fence rattling beside me because I'm hunting beside the fence. But it's 100 yards away. He ran in full speed, smacked right into that farmer's fence, broke the bottom row, got clothesline from the top row, and crashed right there. But I had no idea. Yeah. So I'm walking out. I'm looking for blood. I, I got blood immediately where I hit it. I'm, you know, I'm all pumped up, but I'm not totally sure because I didn't find the error or anything. So I called you. I let you know, man, I, I, hit, I hit a monster. I hit a big boy. I'm all pumped up and then I'm walking out and you're like, don't, don't look for blood or anything. Just, you're not sure about the shot. Come back to me. We'll wait. Just let him lay. Let him lay. So I thought I, you were calling me to like say like, Hey, I'll meet you at the car. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So I, on the way out, I just, because I heard him hit that fence. I just, I was away from it, probably 60, 70 yards away from the fence. That's the way I had to walk out and I'm shining down with my good flashlight just along the fence road, just in case he's laying there, I'm going to see him. And sure enough, across the other side of the creek, there's a set of eyes laying there staring at me. And I went, oh, no, that's probably him laying there. So we boogie out, go back to the car. I'm calling everybody, letting them know what happened. You know, just uh, you know, me and Austin are here. We're good. We're just going to give it a little bit of time, and we're going to go back in, and we're going to see what we can see. So I tell you about the eyes. I'm like, well, here's the deal. We're going to go back in. We're going to see if we can see those eyes from the fence, and then we're going to follow blood. So sure enough, by this time, everything had frosted over, which made the tracking job miserable. Oh, dude, it was so hard to find blood. Even though there was a ton of it, it was hard to find it on that because it was high, grassy, like, pasture. So we get back in there. Sure enough, I see eyes again across the creek, and I'm like, oh, man, it's him. He's still alive. I forgot my bow at the car like an idiot, not thinking <laughs> about anything. 
I had all my stuff but my bow. I'm like, man, I forgot my bow. Should we go back? I was like, I don't want to walk a mile back to the car. <laughs> Let's just go see blood. What I've, I figured is it's really high grassy by the creek. If that's going to be the deer, we're going to be able to sneak in. And if we see blood leading across the creek, we're going to back out. So we get down there to the fence where he had hit the fence. We see it's broken off. I'm like, man, I got to fix that. He plowed right through the fence. Oh, I couldn't believe that he it. made it through. Not a weak fence. I no. Mean, strong fence. Yeah. So we get down there and there's blood all over. And you can see where he hit and he fell and it's all matted down. And I'm like, okay, let's go real slow and quiet around this bend and see if that deer's laying there. And as soon as we do, we, we take one step. I'm out in front of you. I look to my left, and there he is laying right there. He didn't make it a step past that fence. He hit that fence, and I, I, the lights were already out at that point. He, he did what we call the death rush. As soon as I hit him, I hit him good, double long. Uh, you know, he just death rushed. And as soon as he hit that fence, he was he was done. He actually took out fur on his neck where he hit the fence. He, 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 hit like, it so he literally hard. has, like, the permanent clothesline mark yeah. on him now. So, yeah, he went down hard right there, and, man, I just, like, I was so, I remember just being so dumbfounded and in shock. I was just, like, excited, you know. We, we started celebrating together. I was all pumped up. Dude, you lost your mind. I lost my mind, and you, you had to tell me, you're like, go get your hands on him. You were, like, <laughs> hanging out with me, like, yeah, man, yeah. I'm like, dude, go grab him. Yeah, like, I'm, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. So I pull his head up out of the weeds, and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, what did I shoot? You know, this tank. I was like my first wall hanger. This is great. And uh, you know, I couldn't I couldn't ask to done it any better with anyone else, man. We had a a great hunt. That was phenomenal. It was an awesome hunt. It was a great buck. Good old buck too. Yeah. You know, good old super mature and just I think I think he's he's a mainframe eight, but he has his little crab claws on the front. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they're an inch or not. They were. Yeah, he was a ten. Yeah, so he's a ten. He was a 10, but yeah, there were little crab claws on the ends. But a super solid 8. Super, How wide was he on the inside? Super 21 inches inside spread. Yeah. 21, 21 and a half, something like that. But he's like super unique where his main beams went all the way out and then they curved right back in. Yeah. So he didn't look like that much, but then when you put the tape to him, he had super long main beams. Oh, yeah. And that 21 and a half inch spread, I was... I was surprised it was that long. He was a solid buck, man. Great big hooks, too, man. Yeah. He, he, some of the tracks that I saw out there that were big, definitely his. They giant, giant hooves. Giant hooves. Big old head on them. Yep. I mean, the gray throughout them. Yeah. It was a big deer. I think we weighed him in after field dressing him at just over 180. Yeah. Great big buck. Yeah. 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 So that's that was my <clears throat> big story from last year. Yeah. No, that was an awesome story, man. It was great. That was awesome. Well, I'm going to forego my story for tonight because we're running a little bit on time, but... Sorry. No, dude. <laughs> I love that story. It's one I've of my been, favorite stories. I've been waiting to tell that story since we started this podcast. Like, oh, dude. I'll get my uh, time. Don't you worry, man. Don't you worry. But we got, we got many more good stories, though, the two of us. and For, for sure. you faithful listeners out there, we are going to be giving away a hat this week. That's right. So... You're going to have your choice. We have two hats currently. We have a gray and white, which is super sharp, and Charles is wearing it right now. And mm -hmm. we also have a green and tan, which I'm wearing right now. Yep. Olive so, green and tan. Olive green and tan. So you'll have your pick. So what you have to do, once this podcast comes out and you listen to it, go on our Facebook page and like and share the post. And like our Facebook page. And like our Facebook page. 
and we will give a random drawing and you guys get your pick and we will if you're local we'll bring it to you or you can come meet up with us and if you come meet up with us maybe we'll do a podcast something fun yeah or if you are not local we will ship it out to you just send us a uh send us well we'll send you a message when we pick you yeah and we'll get your information we'll send it out to you yeah and you don't have to but i mean feel free to share with any of your buddies that might be interested in the podcast or interested in winning a free hat so they can like and share and like the page you know we're just trying to we're really trying to do something here to give back to everyone that's listening we really really appreciate everyone out there that's listened to us and i mean i i've been overwhelmed with comments from buddies of mine like great podcast man i don't even i never listened to a podcast before you guys are putting out a great show you know and i that really does i mean that touches me that's that's why we started this in the first place yeah you know so we just want to share and talk to people and really just have fun mm-hmm. you know and uh once we hit 300 likes on Facebook, which we're a little ways away, we're at 197 right now. Mm-hmm. But once we hit 300 likes, we will be giving a little bit larger giveaway. I'm going to keep it at that for right now, but it will be exciting and it will be worth it. So stay tuned for that. And uh, we're just going to keep bringing them out every week. I mean, I'm loving this right now and I don't see it stopping in the foreseeable future. No, even if people stop listening, I'm still going to ramble about deer stories because I got a ton of them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm cool with it, man. But, you know, just, uh, and like I said, in previous podcasts, feel free to reach out. If you guys got a topic you want us to talk about, if you guys want us to review tree stands or review the trail cameras that we use or anything like that, or you have somebody you want want us to talk about even, or you have a guest you want to get on, if you guys want to hear from Terry Drury... I will do my best to get them on. I can't guarantee it, but I will, like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, you I'll make try. a good point. I mean, we want, and I've had people tag people that they feel would be good to come on the podcast and tell their story. Man, one kid shot a monster buck in Ohio last year, and uh, someone Bring tagged him, him. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. We'll talk to anybody. I don't care who, I don't know if, I don't care if I know you, if I don't know you. You know, we're working on some people that we don't know right now that if just because of that, someone said, hey, these people would be good for your podcast. I'm, yeah, absolutely. Bring them on. Yeah. I'm excited. I won't talk to anybody about anything. I don't care. It's deer hunting talk. And I don't want to sound desperate either. We do have a ton of topics to talk about already. And we have a ton of people to bring on. But mm-hmm. I want to get what you guys want to hear. Right. If you guys have somebody that you want to hear, tell me about it. I'll throw them to the top of the list. Oh, speaking of what people want to hear real quick, we mentioned this earlier and we didn't touch back on it. I want to talk about tree stand snacks really fast. Really fast. Tree stand you snacks. You said we would talk about it. We will. And what is your favorite tree stand snack and go? Okay, so I actually have <laughs> two kind of. There are two solids that come in the tree stand with me and it just, whatever gas station has them, depends on which one it is. Either Hostess of some kind, preferably a Twinkie. <laughs> or pretty much any little Debbie snack out there is coming in the tree stand with me. Little Debbie's my homie. Come, uh, come the rut. Yeah, those long sits. Yeah, you I always got a cameraman, a but she doesn't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I prefer Nutty Buddies in the stand. Uh, Nutty Buddies are all have always been a really big time snack with me. They're a little noisy. And you eat them like a psychopath. And I eat them like a psychopath because I will open half the wrapper and hold them in one hand so I don't get my hands all chocolatey. And I will literally just take 
one bite at a time from each side of the Nutty Buddies until I'm down to the bottom. So oh I, I don't peel them open anymore. There's no time for that in a stand. Uh, <laughs> but I do I do enjoy a good Nutty Buddy. And I told you also I, I like to have a like an apple or something on my way to the stand usually. I don't like eating that while I'm up in the stand because they're really noisy to eat. But the Nutty Buddies, man. And I've killed some deer. I had to put my Nutty Buddy down one time to kill a deer. Which I'm not mad about, but I was really enjoying that Nutty Buddy at the same time. So, I don't know. I think they're lucky. They might be lucky. (laughs) We're going to go into superstitions one time, too. We're going to talk about that. We will talk about superstitions. But if anybody out out there thinks that I'm right and Charles is a psychopath for eating Nutty Buddies, (laughs) like, two at a time, just uh, comment on our post for this episode and let me know what you think. And maybe I'll send you something fun. Just uh, easier, okay? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Until then... uh, Make sure you check us out on our Facebook and Instagram page at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. You can also send us an email at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. So, Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to talk about anything, even share stories on our pages, you know, you know where to find us. Get a hold of us on any of the forums that Austin mentioned, and we'll be more than happy to share deer stories back and forth with anybody out there. Absolutely. The distraction's real. The distraction is real. <laughs>